Hello friends, this is Pastor Bill Clark. Welcome to the podcast. Hello friends are the first two words I begin each message that I get the privilege to share each Sunday. I get to tell my friends about the greatest friend, Jesus Christ. I also consider friends to be one of the greatest gifts a person can have in this earthly life. Most of the episodes will be messages I share each Sunday, but from time to time, I'll invite a friend to share some of their life with us over a beverage. I pray these episodes bless you and help you on this journey of life. God's blessings to you, friend. This is a message I shared at Timothy Lutheran Church on Sunday, July 23rd. It's on chapter 8 of the book of Romans as we continue through chapter 8. Hello, friends. Well, I said today in our welcome, we continue through Romans, and today we're in Romans chapter 8. We're right in the middle of Romans chapter 8. And a reminder, as we go through Romans this summer, I'm going to put a copy of the Bible study. So it's in your bulletin. If you want to pull it out to look at it, jot down some notes, pick it up, pick it up later this week, look through there because uh, I'm, I'm, I know this is probably, you're probably going to be disappointed, but I'm not going to be able to cover all of our reading today. I know. There's just a lot, a lot here. And so we're going to learn a couple things from God's Word together. And if you want to pick it up this week and pull it out, there's, there's so much more in there. So last week we left off Romans chapter 8. We left off of Romans 8.17 where Paul was telling us that we are heirs. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. Provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Now when you're an heir, you receive everything. Our status as God's children makes us beneficiaries of everything God promises but Paul says in Romans 8.17 that we're just not heirs. We are co-heirs with Christ. Meaning that everything that Christ received, we also receive. Paul ends verse 17 talking about suffering. The suffering that we will endure in this life. But he also talks about the glory that we will receive when we see our Savior face to face. We need to remember that suffering as Jesus did, is not just the events of Good Friday. So many ways in which we can suffer as Christians. Many of the same ways that Jesus suffered. He was betrayed. He was taken captive. He was deserted. He was falsely accused. He was rejected. He was mocked. All are ways in which we can endure sufferings as Christians. Suffering occurs when because of our faith and our beliefs, we are betrayed, we're held captive, we're falsely accused, we're rejected, or we're mocked. But Paul doesn't stop there as talking about suffering and our glorious Christians. He continues in our reading today, Romans 8.18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Not worth comparing 
The things that cause suffering in your life today, not even worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. But all we know and have experienced is this life. We read about the glory today that is awaiting us after we leave this earth, but we haven't experienced it yet. And if you're like me, it gives us a little bit of pause, a little bit of apprehension. Because we know everything about the glory that is to come is good, it's great, it's beyond anything we can imagine. But we don't know what it will be like. It takes me back to my favorite movie, Field of Dreams. My number one favorite movie of all time. Towards the end of the movie, Terrence Mann, who's played by James Earl Jones, he's invited to go into the corn and go back to heaven with the other baseball players who have already died. So after he says goodbye to Ray, who's played by Kevin Costner and his family, Terrence walks with eager anticipation towards the cornfield, but then he stops. Right when he's at the edge of the cornfield, and he places his arm in the cornfield and pulls it back out to see what's going to happen. To see what's going to happen when he steps from the baseball field into the cornfield. You see, he's excited to go into the corn with the players and without a doubt, he's going to go with the players, but he stops to check it out because he hasn't experienced yet what's on the other side. It's kind of, how, in a way, how I look at the day when God only knows when I will pass from this life to the next, when I'll pass from this suffering of this life to the eternal glory of God. Do you remember in the first part of the movie? what the voice said to Ray about Terrence Mann. The voice that caused Ray to get in his VW bus, right? Drive it all the way from Iowa out to Boston. The voice said, ease his pain. Ease his pain. Now as you're watching movies, some, there's so many biblical examples and illustrations in them. Sometimes I wonder if the writers even realize it or not. Ease his pain. The sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. So until our pain is eased, until our suffering ends, we wait. For the creation waits with long, eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. You know, it's just not us, but all of creation waits eagerly for the day when our new bodies will no longer have the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. Adam and Eve sinned against God, and it not only affected them, we know that. It affected the entire race of humankind. But what also happened when Adam and Eve sinned against God in that moment, creation was no longer perfect. You know, many times we imagine what life was like in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve before the fall. There's not a lot of times I think about creation in the garden. Could you imagine? Everything in creation was perfect. It rained, but there's no severe storms that caused damage. There were animals there. We know that Adam named them. But none of them attacked or were harmful to Adam and Eve. That means the mosquitoes didn't bite Adam and Eve, right? Pesky fly flies weren't pesky. They just served whatever purpose they're supposed to serve, right? In the garden. 
You see, it's not just us as humans in our bodies that await the return of Jesus. All creation waits the day when everything, everything will live upon the new earth once again in, in perfection. Paul wrote of this great expectation of Jesus' return. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions as sons and redemption of our bodies. What's the first fruits of the Spirit? What's Paul talking about this morning? We have to go back to the Old Testament. Specifically, go back to when the Israelites were freed from Egypt. And they spent those 40 years wandering around and God would come to Moses and he would tell him to give an offering. An offering of the first fruits. The first harvest of the crops. You know, it's kind of like us when we have our gardens, right? And we nurture that garden. And we're so proud of that first tomato that we pull off there, right? We just can't wait to eat it. God told Moses to tell the people, give an offering of your first fruits to me. What you do notice is God didn't instruct the people to give him everything. God instructed the people to give him the first harvest, which meant there was more to come, right? Because after you eat that first tomato from your tomato plant in your garden, pretty soon you find yourselves giving tomatoes away, right? Because you have so many of them. In the midst of all the groaning of creation in, in our humanly bodies, we have the help of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has not stopped helping us. We have received the first fruits of the Spirit, but there is more to come. Because the Holy Spirit continues to work in and through us. I've said this many times, God has never stopped loving us. But you also need to add this, the Holy Spirit does not stop working through us either. From the moment we are baptized and until the moment our bodies are redeemed and made perfect, the Holy Spirit works in and through us. And if you've been noticing, it's been, we've been going through Romans. Paul's continually painting this picture for us, right? He's pointing us towards glory, right? He's pointing us towards glory and the redemption and the adoption. All these things promised by God. This is what gives us hope as Christians. In fact, Paul wrote about it today. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we, what we do, see, do not see, we wait for it with patience. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Now the first time I read this verse, being an impatient person. I had to struggle with this a little bit. For who hopes for what he sees? Right? Take the child on Christmas Eve. I know when I was a kid, if there was a gift under the tree that resembled even close to the box of the toy that I wanted, I had great hope that that was the toy that I wanted, right? Behind that wrapping paper. I couldn't see it. What about the wife that hopes for her husband? who's been spent many months overseas to walk out of the airplane for her to see him after his long deployment? What about the mom that hopes for the eyes to open or the tongue to speak of a child who's had major surgery or an injury or an accident? Because once the child holds the toy on Christmas, once the wife hugs her husband after coming home from deployment, 
Once the mom sees the eyes of her child and hears their voice, hope changes to joy. In the Greek, hope is defined as this. As confident trust in what is not seen. Confident trust in what is not seen. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Let's go back to Romans chapter 5 that we had a few weeks ago. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has, who has been given to us. Paul is he's tying so many things for us as Christians together in Romans. Just to name a few today. Suffering and flesh and spirit and body and hope and faith. He's tying all these things together to point us towards glory, right? A glory that we can't even imagine this side of heaven. We will be in the presence of Jesus. We will know the love and grace of God unlike we've ever known it before. We will fully understand why God has continually and constantly pursued us as His children. But as great as the glory that awaits us all, I don't know about y'all, but I'm no hurry to get there, right? We want to endure a full life in this earth. Suffering produces endurance. In our suffering, we have patience. In patience, all creation groans. In our patience, our body struggles between the flesh and the spirit. But Paul reminds us once again, we are not alone. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now the next part of my sermon, I, I contemplated whether I'm going to share this with you or not this morning. And I'll kind of explain as we go along. All right? There's a new song out country radio called I Need a Favor. And here's the chorus. I only talk to God when I need a favor. And I only pray when I ain't got a prayer. So who am I, who am I to expect a Savior if I only talk to God when I need a, need a favor? But God, I need a favor. The song is written by country artist by the name of Jelly Roll. That's right, you didn't mishear me. His name is Jelly Roll. It's his nickname given to him by his mother many years ago. Now Jelly Roll, his legal name is Jason DeFord, is a big guy. He's a big guy. And apparently Jelly Roll has always been a big guy. That's why his mom started calling him Jelly Roll when he was very young. Now Jelly Roll has over a hundred tattoos. Many of them are on his face and his neck. Jelly Roll has been in trouble with the law numerous times. He was incarcerated from the time he was 14 through his late 20s. He does not look like the kind of guy that would talk about his faith. Does he? Some of his other songs, Save Me, Son of a Sinner, 
Even angels cry in church. Now, the reason I wasn't going to share it with you is because I'm going to, I'll give you a warning. Some of his songs and his lyrics are a reflection of his life. And there are songs that you're going to hear in church because some of his lyrics are harsh and they have colorful language in them. But some of his other songs in this album reflect his struggle between the flesh and the spirit, dancing with the devil, halfway to hell, hung over in a church pew. You see, I find that most of his songs that I've listened to and his lyrics speak for so many people on how they live their lives and how they live out their faith. Because I firmly believe that the reason his songs are played so much is because people can relate to them also. They've been there, right? Because when you put lyrics to a melody, they speak to us in ways mere words cannot speak. How many times do you find yourself praying to God when you need something in your life? We all try to have a good prayer life, don't we? There's always that one lady in the congregation that has a really good prayer life. And why can't my prayer life just be like hers? Because she's so good at it, right? Our prayer life usually goes between good and bounces back between not so good. It's strong some days and some days it's weak. But that's the struggle, right? It's part of the struggle between the spirit and the flesh in our bodies. Now, if you're like me, most of our prayers are petitions to God. I'm asking Him for things. And it's okay. We don't need to feel guilty about it. Because God understands our human nature. He created us. He knows us, right? And He wants us to rely on Him. He knows that we need help. That is why God sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost to be our helper. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit helps us with so many things in our lives. Paul writes today that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When you're completely broken by this life, when you're asking why and wondering, where is God? Why would He let this happen? When you're so hurt, you can't even come up with words to pray and talk to God. The Holy Spirit says, I got you. I have you. I'm here to help. Let me intercede for you with our Father in heaven. In those moments in your life when you're so broken, when you're so hurt, you can't even come up with words to pray to God for help. The Spirit intercedes. He steps in. The Holy Spirit, the helper that Jesus promised He would send. You know, there's so many things we don't fully understand about the Holy Spirit. We understand the Holy Spirit is our helper, but we have no idea just how wonderful a helper God has given to each of us. So back to Mr. DeFord. Jelly Roll. He gave an interview, I read, and he was asked about his tattoos, his many tattoos. And he said this, they're a good description of who I was. I never thought I'd be what I am now. Let me think of this. Could you imagine if all your sins were tattooed on your body? Especially your face. You can't hide them, can you? Some of the tattoos he's got on there, you can see this cross on the front of his face, right? Side of his head, John 15, 3 is tattooed on the side of his head. 
even though those tattoos are there to remind him of some of the sins and experience he had in his life, as Christians we know, as heirs with Christ, those sins are removed, aren't they? During the same interview, he talked about his music and his life. He said this, I want to convey to people the power of faith and perseverance, and I hope that it helps them to find a light in whatever darkness they may be going through in their life. Patience, perseverance, suffering, hope, faith. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? Now I'm going to warn you, if you're sitting around this afternoon and you're like, remember, Pastor talked about this Jolly Roll guy and I've never heard of him, so I'm going to Google him and pull up a couple of his songs, maybe listen to some of his music, or read some of his interviews. I'm going to tell you, he is who he is. Right? Some of his language is going to offend you. He still admits to using alcohol and recreational drugs. And he's a big guy. He's got, he didn't get big because he doesn't have struggles. The reason I decided to keep him in the sermon today is this. I'm not looking to him and his music as a place to find hope. Because he's just like us, right? He's a sinner. He battles between the spirit and the flesh. And some of the battles that he's gone through are as big as Jelly Roll is himself. What gives me hope is what I cannot see. What gives me hope is what I cannot see. Because I firmly believe in listening to his music and watching people in his concerts, the Spirit is working in and through his music. His life and his music speak to people. People are crying at his concerts, reaching out to him. Because they've been there. They've hit rock bottom. They've hurt so much they can't find the words to express their hurt. But then they hear his song and the lyrics and the medley speak to them. You see, the music of Jelly Roll connects people on the sufferings of their life. But God doesn't want us to focus on the sufferings of this life. Because my hope is that people watch his videos and listen to his music and read his interviews. Leads them to pick up a Bible and read about the glory of God that is awaiting all of us. They watch his mu- listen to his music and watch his interviews and they go to church and they hear about the glory of God. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. You think about the man that wrote these words, Paul. Paul suffered in ways that we can't even imagine. He suffered far more on this earth than most people ever will. But he reminds us the suffering of this life is temporary. And it's not even worth comparing with the glory that would be revealed to us. Because we live in this body. A body that God created for each one of us, right? Bodies are good. Remember that from last week? And in our bodies we struggle between our flesh and the spirit. We live in a world that's broken, full of sin. We know it. Creation is not perfect. We live in a place where all creation groans. 
But what do we see time and time again? This world is where people place their hope, right? They place hope in the things of their body, their career, and what they achieve and what they can do. They place their hope in the things of this world. And as I said, this world is not perfect. Far from perfect. You know, it's hard to get people to agree on one thing these days, but I think almost everyone would agree, no matter their faith or if they don't have faith, that this world is not perfect. But yet people place their hope in things that they see on this earth. But as Christians, we don't. We place our hope in what is yet to be seen. The glory. The glory that awaits us all. So until that day of glory, each one of us will have that day. We wait. Don't we? We wait. We wait patiently. Amen? Thank you once again for listening to the podcast. If you have any questions about anything that we share in our messages, any questions on faith, any just general questions, get a hold of me. I'd love to have a conversation. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. God bless.